Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, February 19th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. James, so you had a great guest on This Week on Broadway, but then you went and screwed something up, didn't you? You had to screw something up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did. Let's start with the good first. The good first is uh, Katrina Link. I uh, was on visiting with us, talking about the band's visit, some other things. You mean, you mean, you mean 2018 Best Actress in a Musical Tony winner, Katrina Link? Uh, yes. You have that crystal ball going, Miss Cleo? Uh, yes, I yes, I think that and Best Musical for Band's Visit are all as much written in, in stone as Dear Evan Hansen and Ben Platt were. Excellent. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, and uh, Shikaboom Ghostlight Records has released their original cast recording, the OCR, uh, as it would be, um, coming up this week on February 23rd. Um, also, this week on February 23rd is the official opening of Hello, Dolly! with uh, Bernadette Peters. Uh, the 22nd. The tw- it's a Thursday the 22nd. Thursday the 22nd? Yes. All right. Um, and we gave a review of Hello, Dolly! Well, uh, Peter did. Uh, uh, Peter <laughs> gave Oops. a review of it. Uh, and we we were asked uh, by the press reps to um, to embargo that. So uh, a few thousand of you downloaded the show. So uh, if you'd be so kind as to delete that download, <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> Dude, we do not want to piss off Scott uh, Rudin. That's yeah. like the last no. person you want to uh, piss that off. That would be really bad. We don't, yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah. Let's, so all of you out there that, that downloaded it and might have listened to it on a streaming service and things like that, forget anything you heard. Uh, about that over-the-moon, excellent review of Hello, Dolly. And we uh, uh, removed it from the download, and it will be back in the download as of Thursday evening, I think, officially, when the thing happens. So, uh, okay. So, we'll yeah. Remind. Yeah, we'll remind you to re-download it on Thursday so that you can listen to Peter's review that you were not supposed to listen to. That was totally awesome. And you should go get tickets to Hello, Dolly, because it's going to be even harder to get tickets than with Bette Midler. Even harder. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think that might be overstating it just a little bit. But uh, everybody I am, loves Bernadette. I am, I am partial to hyperbole. You know? <laughs> just a little, just a little. Um, unfortunately, something that I am not as over the moon about as Peter Felicia apparently may or may not have been about Bernadette Peters and Hello Dolly. So, as listeners know, I was not on Friday's show because Thursday night I went to the press opening of the Lion King national tour that is setting up a four-week run here at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts in Orlando. Whew, oh boy, that was a long night. Um, I back. I think I mentioned I first saw The Lion King on my very first trip to New York in 1998. It was still with the original Broadway cast, and I still remember that as being one of the most thrilling and exciting, at least visual, theatrical experiences I've ever had. Um, I had much better seats this time, but man, was that dreadfully underwhelming. Uh, it was slow, lacked energy, 
very, very odd characterizations, especially from the adult Simba, who looked like he was in a completely different show than the rest of the cast. Um, a good voice, but not something that anything else seemed to make sense. It was very long and slow and tedious and not what I was hoping for. They, you know, earlier in 2017, they kind of retooled the tour and kind of made some changes to make it a little more tour friendly. So I don't know if that has anything to do with what I saw, but it was not the show that I was anticipating or hoping for. Or maybe it was just a bad night, but it was very, very unenergetic and very, very unexciting. Um, and so I was underwhelmed and disappointed. So hopefully the rest of the run here in Orlando, people will get a little bit more enthusiastic performance because I can tell you being in the, the, the Walt Disney theater at the Dr. Phillips center, everybody wanted to love that show. And I think there were a lot of people who enjoyed it and were polite about it, but man, there were times when you could hear a pin drop and it was not because people were blown away by the spectacle. I, I think there were many people who felt as underwhelmed as I did. This company better hope that Cameron doesn't come and see the tour and fire everybody. He's been known to do that once or twice. Um, is Cameron is Cameron a producer on this? No, that was the joke. No. That was. Oh, okay. Well, he, I mean, it's like Scott Rune and Cameron. Whether they're producing yeah. it or not, I'm sure they could probably fire you all if they wanted to. It's um, a good point. Please, everybody, you know? delete that podcast from yeah. this week. <laughs> Well, I just figured I was like, well, maybe Cameron Cameron's co-produced Disney stuff in London before. And he's worked with Tim Rice before. Who knows? You know, whatever. It's it's all well and good. Oh, so maybe it, Lion King is co-produced by Cameron. I, I don't know because he did. He did um, Mary Poppins, I believe. Uh, he co-produced Mary Poppins as well. So I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. It doesn't matter. I was just disappointed. Um, and, and hopefully it was just a bad night because, uh, I still, that's one of my favorite theatrical memories. And, uh, it was the, the new version did not live up mm. to what my memory was when I saw it last week. No, this is just Disney theatricals. So still waiting on that story of Disney theatricals. Anyway. Uh, all right. First up in the news. All of Broadway will not dim its lights for Jan Maxwell this week. Yeah, ever since we learned that five-time Tony nominee Jan Maxwell had passed away back on February 11th, people had been hoping that the Broadway League would direct theaters to dim their lights in honor of the late theater legend. However... On Friday, Charlotte St. Martin, the president of the Broadway League, released a statement saying that only the Marquee Theater would be dimming its lights to remember Maxwell. The theater's lights will dim on Wednesday at 7.45 p.m. New York time for one minute. Following the league's announcement, the Manhattan Theater Club announced that their Samuel J. Friedman Theater would be joining the Marquee. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if more theaters followed suit after the holiday today. In typical Internet fashion, though, many people on social media and certain unnamed online message boards were less than happy with the league's decision and called it things like heartless, classless, cold, hypocritical, business driven, driven and much more and much worse. According to some of these online reports, which I have not seen verified, so please keep that in mind. Um, but online reports indicate that people emailed St. Martin directly. Her email address is available on the league's website and expressed their disappointment and anger with the situation. These online users report and screenshot email responses in which 
which St. Martin allegedly says that she understands and sympathizes. And if it were up to her alone, the lights would dim for everyone, but that that would diminish the impact of the tradition. Now, Natalie, I don't know where you stand, but James, I, I think you and I disagree on this subject a little bit, if not in terms of the dimming, at least in terms of how much we should blame the Broadway League. But my thought is, if Miss St. Martin wants the lights to dim for everybody, dim the damn lights for everybody. Who cares? Uh, do we only do funeral processions for people some random committee determines to be worthy? Of course not. If someone had an impact on the Broadway community, which Maxwell most certainly did, dim the damn lights and stop being so precious and self-important, which is a term I stole from James on this topic. I just I just don't get it. I just <laughs> I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I just I just I don't understand. Like this is somebody who dedicated their professional life to theater and we're saying that they're not big enough or important enough to do that, even though we did it for Robin Williams, who was on Broadway twice. And that just gets better press. Like, I, I don't know. It just. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. I I agree. I, I really do agree with you. I think my point I, of when Matt and I were talking about this on Friday, uh, uh, privately, not on the air, um, I was just saying that I don't really think that the Broadway League has any power to enforce whether a, a theater actually dims its lights or not. If a theater does not dim its lights, I don't think that the Broadway League is going to fine them $1,000 or even have a, a sliver of a chance of hope of collecting that $1,000 fine. I, I just think that the theaters do what they're going to do, and I think that more of them will choose to dim their lights for a minute as – Matt says, uh, as Matt infers in his statement, it doesn't cost the theater anything, and a lot of people really love Jan Maxwell, so I, I think that we will see more theaters do it, if not all of them. Uh, and the fact that the league is only... I, I, some weird slide rule conversion chart in the league offices. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just... I mean, what does it hurt? I mean, yeah. look, if we dim... The, look, look, we're not going to obviously dim the lights 365 days a year at 745. Like, I get that. Mm -hmm. I understand that that's what they're trying to prevent. I also think there's something to be said that they don't want a story every other day to come out about someone dying. They don't want that to be the story about Broadway. Totally get that. But James, we've been doing this show. I mean, it'll be two years next, you know, in a couple of weeks. We've talked about people dying. There was a rash there for a while and we talked about it a lot, but maybe a dozen times. I mean, not more than a dozen and a yeah. half times. So it's over those two years. So it's not like we're talking about dimming the lights every day. It just seems like if there was somebody who was important enough for people online to know and care about Maybe dim the lights. It can't hurt. It maybe even saves the electric bill for for a minute. Who knows? Actually, that's probably not how electric bills work. But anyway, um, it just seems it just seems short sighted. Like they can't, you know, see the forest through the trees. Yeah, uh, certainly. There were no PR geniuses over at the league this week. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the paper mill. Will open season oh. with Angeloid Weber review. <laughs> and when I saw this story come through, was this what we were talking about? Angeloid Weber's yes. Is this the thing? Yes. It's the thing. And I, mean, I don't know. I, I didn't start this script thinking that I was going to be upset and disappointed about every story. Yet here we are. <laughs> uh, 
But for now, for something completely different, at least in topic, if not my tone, last week, the Paper Mill Playhouse revealed the first show of their 2018-2019 season, and in turn, the first answer, allegedly, for their photo teaser contest. I have so many issues with this. That show will be the new Andrew Lloyd Webber review called Unmasked. The show, which coincides with the release of ALW's memoir of the same name, uh, apparently the show will be a, quote, an exploration of a man and his music, his creative process, and often surprising manner in which his songs and the musicals in which they feature came to be. <clears throat> Here's where it gets fun. It will include some of Lloyd Webber's most recognizable characters, interacting with one another for the first time the new oh takes and new takes on his music no including no 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 no, no. Of his songs yes let me finish um and in an often wry look at the genre he has for many come to define now let me reread to you my favorite part of that description it will include some of lloyd weber's most recognizable characters interacting with one another so in this show apparently the Phantom of the Paris Opera House, Ava Perone, Rum Tum Tugger, Norma Desmond, Jesus Christ, a guy who claims to be Jesus Christ, a steam engine named Rusty, and Dewey Finn are all going to interact together on stage. <laughs> what? Oh my God. What, what sweet hell is this? <laughs> Um, this this is going to have to be really cool. Do you guys remember? Like... Wait, wait, wait. Oh Do you guys God. remember the, the movie Death Becomes Her? Yeah, yes. Do you, yeah, that, a, the opening scene yeah. of Death Becomes Her, that, that disastrous musical, new musical that they were doing in the opening scene, that's what uh, this sounds like. Yeah, it, it, yes, but as we mentioned when the equity announcement came out for auditions, uh, John Doyle will direct, so I guess maybe Jeeves is going to be playing an oboe in this production. Um, but anyway, Unmasked is scheduled to run from September 27th through October 28th. And now, leaving all that behind, let's move to the other thing that angers me. In Paper Mill's photo teaser thing, the first picture was a hairdryer being used to pull off masking tape from a freshly painted wall. Oh, obvious. if that yeah, if that was supposed to be a hint to unmasked an Andrew Lloyd Webber review, Paper Mill just needs to stop doing this whole picture hint thing because there is absolutely nothing in there. And I mean, technically, it's unmasking, not unmask. It, it, this is just masking tape. Oh my well, gosh! Perhaps. I'm do I'm do you think that maybe somebody over in the marketing department at Paper Mill they developed the? Um, the photo teaser thing before they had the season, then they fit shows into the photo teaser. <laughs> I mean, that would make as much sense as a hairdryer blowing masking tape off a wall. I mean, cause that makes no sense. This, oh I just, my gosh. I don't get riled up on this show very often. It's like I said, we are, we're a couple weeks away from two years. I don't know that I've been this riled up by a single story, but what in the hell is going on over at paper mill? Oh man. I, you know, I was hoping that they would put that big picture of uh, Obama disappearing into the into the woods, uh, uh, the Smithsonian <laughs> thing in their photo teaser. Yes. That, he, hey, man, he'd be a great uh, uh, baker in Into the Woods, you know, just oh, yeah. put him and have, uh, uh, you know, I, I was just I was going to make a joke about who the witch could be, but I don't know that he could <laughs> rap uh, anyway. So, yeah. You know, and Michelle could would be a great baker's wife. So whatever. It's just the whole thing. I, I who wants this? And whatever. Move on. I'm okay. I get myself in trouble. On to bigger and better things. We have uh, the return of the Hamill section. 
Yes, we do. Last week, according to Billboard, Hamilton surpassed Jersey Boys to become the fifth biggest selling cast album since the tracking of sales began in 1991. Hamilton has sold 1.46 million albums versus Jersey Boys' 1.445 million. Unfortunately, we're going to have to get back into that. But anyway, the only cast albums ahead of Hamilton during that time are Les Miserables at 1.661, Mamma Mia at 1.717, Wicked at 2.728, and of course, The Phantom of the Opera at 4.972. So it all comes back around to Unmasked. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's that's awesome. I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. And with the constant release of more and more uh, Hamilton related stuff, including more productions around the world, I am sure that that will continue to increase an inch up closer and closer to closer to Les Mis and Mamma Mia and maybe even Wicked and Phantom of the Opera eventually. Now, if that's not enough. Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, announced last week that his T. Rico clothing company will be expanding into toys and collectibles later this year. And you can pre-order their first little Fisher Price like wooden toys, uh, which are called Pinmates of Lin and his dog, Toby. If you don't know what pinmates are, they're like those old Fisher Price people that have a hole on the bottom. They're kind of like just cylindrical and they have a head on the top um, and they have a hole on them. So you can put them on different sets and things, I guess. I think that's what the, I don't know how to describe them. But um, anyway, you can get a two set of Lynn and Toby um, and you can order those now for $9.99 and they will be delivered in July of this year unless something changes. I am as if people follow me occasionally i'll post pictures of the collectibles that i have in my office i have a problem um uh, in collecting things uh I, I don't know if fisher price toys is what i would be collecting <laughs> but i you know I, I might i might get these you know it's not often that i can kind of blend my nerdy dorky funko pop collection and bleed that over into theater very often so uh maybe i'll maybe i'll get something from t rico hi uh natalie matt have you been to the hamilton store in new york I have. Oh, yeah. I, I got a I got a winter hat from there a couple months ago. It's really cool. What's a what's a winter hat? What is <laughs> What is this thing you say? <laughs> Matt, have no, you but been the store the, the store, store is so cool. No, I didn't even know there was one. It's across the street from the Rogers. Uh it's like a little uh I guess uh 20 by 40 store with all Hamilton merchandise and things like that. Uh, really cool th t-shirts and things like that. We, we stopped in and got uh, my daughter, Charlotte bought her the Hamilton uh, vocal book. Uh, oh, cool. uh, and she brought it to school and they went through it in oh, their I know class. They went oh, through no. it. They went through it in the class together <laughs> and the teacher and Charlotte and the students, uh, she's in fourth grade. She's 10 years old. Uh, they went through the Hamilton vocal selections and oh. they changed a bunch of words so that they could do all, they could sing the songs in class, which is really oh, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. You knocked yeah, they, down to get the F they, back up again. That one probably didn't go over well. Yeah. Well, you know, they were all, <laughs> yeah, the teacher and the kids were all really cool about it. And so they're all, awesome. they, they sing a Hamilton song, uh, in music class. Uh, nice. that's so fun. Know, yeah. So she, she, she's really into, uh, satisfied and she she likes satisfied and she likes uh after the war went back to new york what's that song called after the war oh my gosh wait yeah. uh, uh, work next non-stop non-stop that's yeah, it non-stop yeah. non she loves non-stop anyway 
So uh, what do we have up in the recommendation section? Okay, so this Tuesday, as we've talked about before, over at Carnegie Hall, a who's who of Broadway talent will be performing with Manhattan Concert Productions to honor Jason Robert Brown, Stephen Flaherty, George Gershwin, Alan Menken, Lucy Simon, and Maury Yeston. The Broadway performers uh, included in that concert will be Michael Arden, Sierra Bogus, Carolee Carmelo, Adam Cordiner, uh, Nikki Renee Daniels, Quentin Earl Darrington, Ramin Karamloo, Norm Lewis, Laura Osnes, Leah Salonga, Ryan Silverman, and Tony Yazbek. Well, in preparation for that concert coming up later this week, my Broadway World colleague Richard Ridge spoke to some of those composers about what inspired some of their most iconic songs. So far, we've released four videos. I think there's another one. Um, coming with Alan Menken. I could be wrong. Um, but so far he talked with Stephen Flaherty about Make Them Hear You, Jason Robert Brown about the old uh, the old Red Hills of Home. He talked with Lucy Simon about uh, Lily's Eyes and Maury Yeston about the uh, title song from Titanic. Um, they're really cool. I mean, it's just something where you kind of break down one song and see behind, you know, the just behind what you hear on the cast album and hear the composers talking about it. It's really cool. I know this is something that James you've wanted to do here on Broadway radio for a while, but um, it's really, really interesting to hear these people who are all legends in their own right, kind of talk about their work and see, you know, what led to these iconic numbers that we all know and love so much. So I'll have links of those of all four of those in the show notes. If you want to check those out, you know, old red Hills of home is possibly my favorite song ever really uh, i just i just love that song from parade jason's song uh it's yeah. one of my favorites I, um, as soon as we're done here i'm watching this video that's awesome i love that all right natalie pull us out of this funk we're in what's up in this week's theatrical schedule all right. Well, first up, the new group's Good for Auto begins previews on Tuesday. Through the microcosm of a rural Connecticut mental health center, Tony Award-winning playwright David Rabe conjures a whole American community on the edge. Despired, inspired by a real clinic, Rabe finds humor and compassion in a society and a system stretched beyond capacity. Good for Auto is set to open on March 8th. MCC Theater's Relevance will open on Tuesday. This show is centered around a heated exchange between an author-slash-veteran feminist warrior and a promising young writer. This feud goes viral, and the young writer Teresa finds herself ill-equipped to manage her message in the social media era. Relevance was directed by Tony nominee Liesl Tommy and will run through March 11th. Also opening on Tuesday is the Public Theater's world premiere entitled Kings. Playwright Sarah Burgess and Tony-winning director of Hamilton, Thomas Kale, are teaming up with this hilarious new play about money and politics centered around the people at the heart of our democracy. Kings will run through March 25th. The Los Angeles production of Allegiance begins previews on Wednesday at the Aratani Theater. Allegiance tells the story of the Kimura family, whose lives are upended when they and 120,000 other Japanese Americans are forced to leave their homes following the events of Pearl Harbor. Allegiance previously ran on Broadway from October of 2015 to February of 2016, and just as he did on Broadway, George Takei will star in the Los Angeles production as well. Allegiance is set to open on February 28th. A Letter to Harvey Milk begins previews on Wednesday at Theatre Rose A. Corn Theatre. Set in San Francisco in 1986, the story follows two unlikely people brought together by a letter penned to Harvey Milk, the first openly gay elected politician in California. A Letter to Harvey Milk is based on the short story of the same title by Leslie Newman. The cast is led by Broadway star Adam Heller, who you may know from Les Mis, Victor Victoria, It Should Have Been You, and more. 
This production is set to open on March 6th. The original Broadway production Frozen begins previews on Thursday at the St. James Theater. I'm sure you know the premise, but just for a brief description, Frozen <laughs> tells the tale of two sisters torn apart and their journey to find themselves and their way back to each other. Casey Levy stars as Elsa and Broadway radio friend Patty Murin stars as Anna. Frozen now, will officially open on March 22nd. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. They no, are actually... They uh, apparently were recording on Sunday earlier today. They had their first of two, maybe three invited dresses for this. Um, we started seeing some people posting online that they were at the invited dress this afternoon on Sunday afternoon. And it looked like it was a lot of Disney employees, whether it was Disney theatrical or other Disney employees. So it looks like they're kind of doing a few of these to get as many opportunities to uh, run the show for an audience that has not paid for a ticket uh, before they start having the folks in there for the uh, first preview that you mentioned, uh, Natalie. So um, yeah. I don't know that we'll hear a lot of, of info coming out of that, but maybe we'll see some things trickling in, uh, you know, especially because we know Michael Grandage said that they've changed about 30% of the show since Denver. So fingers crossed that we'll hear some things uh, that sneak out of these invited dresses before the first preview happens later this week. Yes, definitely. So next up, the new group's off-Broadway premiere, Jerry Springer, the Opera, opens on Thursday. Now, this show previously won an Olivier Award for Best New Musical, and it is choreographed by Chris Bailey and directed by John Rando. While the studio audience cheers, a parade of bickering guests fight until violence breaks out, and Jerry, portrayed by Terrence Mann, must face his trickiest guest ever, the devil himself, portrayed by Will Swenson. This production will run through March 11th. The Broadway revival of Angels in America begins previews on Friday at the Neil Simon Theater. It's been 25 years since this musical's first Broadway run, and it is coming back after a successful run in 2017 at London's National Theater. Tony nominee Beth Malone will play the angel at select performances, and she will be joined by Nathan Lane, Andrew Garfield, and more. Angels in America will officially open on March 25th. Now let's talk about this week's closings. Classic stage companies Fire and Air will close on Sunday. Second Stage Theater's Cardinal will close on Sunday. The Broadway production Latin History for Morons will close on Sunday. Playwrights Horizons Miles for Mary will close on Sunday. And lastly, the Women's Project Theater's production entitled Porto will close on, you guessed it, Sunday. And that is the end of this week's schedule. <laughs> to, I know at least those first two you mentioned, James probably feels that it they couldn't have closed soon enough but uh <laughs> uh maybe i think you only saw one of those two but i think peter saw the other one and disliked it as much as you disliked cardinal but uh oh well yeah so you know uh uh who who says you michael jordan you, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take i don't know that he actually yep. ever said that but that's who's it yeah is it attributed to him and it's yeah i i feel like it is but i don't know whatever yes good enough we're, we're glad that people attempted these things. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes we but you did mention, uh, Natalie, you mentioned a show that we haven't mm. talked much about uh, called Kings that has its official opening uh, later yeah. this week. I have not heard nary a peep about this show since it started previews, but I am super, I've got tickets to see it when I'm in town, but I'm super excited about it with Tommy Kale directing and, and uh, Gillian Jacobs as, as the star. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what this show uh, is, is like when, when the reviews come out later this week, because it just sounds great. Yeah. I won't, I won't tell you who, but somebody on this week on Broadway, uh, <laughs> I'll call them, San Jimson 
saw Kings okay. and uh, and had some positive words to say about it, but obviously we didn't do the review because we knew about that opening night. <laughs> because because you were aware that that was embargoed. You weren't yes. aware. Yes. yes. Please delete this week on Broadway. <laughs> Redownload it on Thursday. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt, and subscribe to something a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, and or Google Play. Uh, Natalie, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Noack. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. What is this idea thing that says there? That was nothing. That was me. That was a note for me last week. Okay. And my name is James Reno from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for starting off your Monday with us, and we'll be back and talk with you tomorrow. And we're safe